0: everybody. It's Allison Pillow with pureenergypdx.com. You're listening to episode 16 of the Integrate Yourself podcast with Allison and Maya. Maya and I are both certified nutrition and fitness coaches and you can find Maya at mayagotlib.com. Together, we share over 20 years' experience in the field, coaching clients and doing our own research on leading-edge nutrition and fitness, offering simple self-care strategies and a new perspective on nutrition, movement, and emotional intelligence. Today, we encourage you wholeheartedly to become your own authority when it comes to your health and wellness. Our intention is to share with you our perspective. We offer insight on creativity, aging gracefully, and creating a high-energy life, one where you have the energy to live the life you love. Today, we invite you to integrate yourself. Lots of gratitude to our listeners for all the love and support you send us every week. We appreciate you so much. Thank you to our Patreon supporters. If you feel like you've enjoyed this show or it's given you insight on how to improve the quality of your life, or you just enjoy listening, you can contribute to the production of our podcast by going to patreon.com slash integrate yourself. You can contribute as much as a dollar, five dollars, or ten dollars a month, and we'll be ever so grateful. Um, if you don't want to contribute that way or support the podcast that way that's totally cool no big deal you can always go uh, to iTunes or Android and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a really great review that's a great way to support the podcast too and we appreciate any contribution you can make I'm super excited to share with you today's guest. Today's guest is Kate Deering. She's the author of How to Heal Your Metabolism. We talk in this podcast about why the current beliefs on health and fitness don't work, which is, generally speaking, work out more and eat less, how important mindset and beliefs are in healing, and why most people don't heal or lose weight based on those mindsets, and why sugar is not the evil substance that everybody makes it out to be. Uh, I really enjoyed this podcast. Kate has an extensive background in health and nutrition. She's been in health and nutrition, um, or sorry, health and fitness and nutrition uh, for over 20 years now, and so she, she has really probably done it all. So it was a joy talking to Kate and and hearing about her experience, how she came about writing the book, as well as she has some amazing advice for healing your metabolism for the long term, including creating hormonal balance and keeping the weight off so you're not in this yo-yo state constantly. Um, And then with that goes, you know, being very healthy from the inside out Check her book out. Uh, it's How to Heal Your Metabolism. You can find it on Amazon, and you can find her on Facebook uh, under Kate Deering Fitness, and I think she does a really great job of uh, answering people's questions and giving you feedback um, on that forum as well, and she put some great content on, on that forum as well. So thanks again for listening, and without further ado, here's the show.
1: Well, welcome to the show, guys. Uh, we have a, a wonderful guest today. Uh, her name is Kate Deering. Uh, she is, in my opinion, reached a pinnacle of knowledge that she can actually convey in a very easy way. Um, she wrote an incredible book that is becoming very well known um, because I'm telling everyone about it and um, <laughs> other people. And the book itself is called—I um, don't know if you guys can see this—Healing: How to Heal Your Metabolism. Stop Blaming Aging for. Uh, your, metabolism, your slow metabolism. And the reason why this book has been a lifesaver for me and other people that I've told is that it is an easier way for people to understand uh, many... Uh, theories that have been kind of blown out of proportion and uh we kind of all stumbled on this in different ways um kate is background is in 20 years of experience she's been in the health and fitness cent, uh business where she has studied with uh wonderful people like ja, paul check um she's an a olympic lifting coach a z health practitioner with Dr. Cobb, she is also a certified nutritional consultant. She is an athlete herself, been very much a competitor um, with tennis, um, done marathons, um, Grand Canyon, Mount Whitney, and some other things that she's also been doing. Um, and when she became a part of this uh, knowledge that we we're talking about, which comes from a lot of different people, Ray Pete. Rhoda Barnes, Constance Martin, Hyann Saleh, um, and a few others. Um, it became a, a, a wonderful tool for understanding why so many dogmas have been coming through in the health and fitness industry. And um, I'll let her tell you more, but what we'd like to also tell you is that you can reach her at katedeering.com. Um Her email is kate at katedearing.com and her business is katedearing.com fitness and so we'd like to welcome Kate Kate welcome to the show thank you you lady doing well doing well living the life every day (laughs) awesome (laughs) (laughs) and more ways than one I always say exactly exactly
0: so Uh, so Kate uh, do you want to start by just kinda sharing with everybody your journey how you came to this point how you came to write the book and all that
2: Uh, sure um to the gist of it, I was starting to have my own health issues in my late thirties, um, which would mean I was starting to gain weight. I was starting to have hormonal issues. You know, you start to get to that premature aging. And you know, I've been in the, the health and fitness industry all my life, and kept thinking I'm doing everything right. Is this just what happens when you turn forty? Right. You know, and everyone had told me, and I'm like, oh, that's not going to be me. And all of a sudden, it was now me. So. I started to think there had to be a better way if I'm doing everything I think is is right and I'm having these issues. And so, via Josh Rubin, is how I stumbled on the work of Ray P., I started to read about an entirely different concept. But Basically everything I was doing was almost the opposite and that's kind of how Ray teaches it and that's why it seems so strange and hard to understand to so many people is because it's such a different uh, way of thinking. Um, right. but Luckily, it started to make sense to me because it was all based on human physiology, how our bodies work, and when you understand physiology, you understand why most diets and exercise protocols that a lot of people are doing to, per se, get healthy or lose weight are actually detrimental to long-term health and detrimental to their metabolism. And so, for me, I started to understand why having a high metabolism and why it's so important and that everything I thought was good for me was actually causing me to lower my metabolism. So I had to kind of take that different approach. Um, It was a journey because at the time there wasn't a lot of other research out there and so there were a lot of self-experimentations and a lot of ups and downs. But from that I I started to understand why and how to heal essentially and um, realizing that Ray's work is so complex that... For me to understand it better too, and for me to teach it to my clients, I decided that it needs to be an easier and better understood method, and that's kind of where the book came from.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate it. It's a great book, and it and I have, my and I have both shared similar experiences. Uh, we I stumbled upon Josh and Jeannie's work as well, and worked with them for a little while. But I I ran into the same issues. Like I really, at first when when I first started reading Ray Pete's stuff, it's like it was mind-boggling. It was like learning a new language almost. So, yeah, so we appreciate you. We appreciate the book. We refer people to it all the time. And I appreciate it's that.
1: Easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would. I really would have loved to have um, had that book when I first stumbled on it. So I am so grateful for the people that get to read it first before they even really delve into all the science of Ray and all the other stuff. Josh and Jeannie did a great job tr- sending all that information through the metabolic blueprint, which they are now talking more about the thyroid and stuff except the problems were with the information that I kind of stumbled on myself through everyone kind of bringing the information in was it was an overload, especially when you are fatigued mentally, physically. And so this is like spoon feeding someone just a little something so that they don't try to do everything at once, which was one of my issues when I started getting into it. I totally went full flood into it. And then what we can maybe talk about now is what happens when people gain the weight that they don't pay attention to how their food frequencies, how their ratios are important, the temperature and pulse, and how to be very slow into integrating this information. So maybe if you could tell us your experience of what you've been doing with your clients and how that has helped them. Right.
2: So my experience was the same as yours um, with not a lot of guidelines. I was full force, jumped in and had all sorts of wackadoodle issues, you know, which is hormonal and the weight gain and so forth. Um, Luckily, it wasn't too extreme, but I had them all. And so what we realized or what I realized is, yes, you have to go slow with this protocol. And it's very different from other diet approaches out there because every every other diet approach will have you change everything tomorrow and go this way. And with this and in a healing protocol, it's much different. If you try to do that, you're gonna have some negative things happen. And that's why some people say this doesn't work. And I'm like, it does work. You just went too fast. And so it, it's kind of looking at what somebody's eating now and then making appropriate changes, whether it's you know, consuming the same amount of calories but start changing some of the foods that they're consuming. So you you pick and choose some some things that you can use for them that will allow them to go to much uh, slower level or sm- slower speed so that the weight gain doesn't come on. Sometimes it still will. I mean, it's something I haven't, especially if you're a very lean woman, um, and I was fairly lean. I mean, I was gaining some weight, but I was still not, you know, 30 pounds overweight, or 40 or whatever, you know, so it's something like, you know, when you are super lean, you might still gain a little bit of weight, but going a lot slower can keep that at least down for five pounds or something, and then that way, you know, you're not going to be hindered from having that happen to you.
0: Yeah, and that's my, that is what I'm trying to bring to light too, because I'm really not even sure. I kind of feel like it's not natural or healthy for women to be too lean, you know. Um. But we have this picture of health for a woman to have like rock hard abs now, (laughs) and that looks—you know—it's supposed to be like the pinnacle of health. But um, and that's the problem. I think I think people have this fear of of gaining any weight at all. Like you're doing something wrong, or we don't. We have like in my experience a little a lack of understanding of how the metabolism really works.
2: Totally agree. And also for women, I mean, for them to get that look. You know, and if you look at any fitness magazine or anyone, I mean, I've, I've worked with many women that used to be fitness competitors and had that look. But usually to get there, you know, it took some extreme measures and some really stressful workouts and some really stressful diets. Yeah. So it can be obtained. Um, it usually went down a path, though, that was incredibly challenging and not good for their metabolism. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying you can't get lean eating this way. I mean, I'm fairly lean now. I'm, I'm smaller now in my life than I have been most of my life. So, it can be obtained, it's just, it takes a lot longer, and it takes patience, yeah, and it just takes an understanding of, you know, a high metabolism equals less stress, and eating enough nutrition and enough food to support yourself, which you really have to unwind a lot of the learning and belief systems that you've been carrying on, which most people have been carrying on for most of their life, which, you know, if we understand the brain, we know that that takes time. And you're just not going to be able to substitute one belief for another. You still have to unlearn all of those bad habits and bad things you did so that you can start creating this new pattern. But that takes a lot of repetition and a lot of continual of, of doing it, per se.
1: Which also is leads into why the a- aging aspect comes into the play, where people start to do things on a short term, getting that weight loss, getting their f- fit body but don't realize how in the long term they're increasing their aging they're causing uh, metabolic changes that you, you may stop their hormones from working as well keeping them in a space of more fatigue through that um, light lo- the longer lifespan of their lives they they just you know as a, as we kind of figured out with with our own I'll say to myself I figured out The clarity became even more apparent as I was eating more for um, my, you know, keeping my blood sugar levels higher and making sure that everything that I had energy for in my temperature and pulse kept me knowing that my heat in my body was actually a sign of health, not cold hands, cold fingers, you know, and uh, so there's a there's a misconception i think where we have all kind of walked into is that well it's just the acs running or you right. know this is the part of our life that you know we're in you know the downtime and this is you know life starting to get harder you know because you're getting older and so that's what i like about how your book is saying no you can't you can't go into that mindset that's not the way it's supposed to be you know that, and that is correct. And because the mindset and everything you're teaching, I mean, when the world
2: around you is has a belief and is carrying it, you tend to follow it. You know, so to actually create a different path, you know, does take a lot of people that are trusting. Um, but also mm. a deeper understanding and looking at things and going, you know, this really isn't working and it's really is taking a lot of my energy and a lot of and I'm in a real resistance to, you know, having to have all this willpower and all these words that we usually associate with being healthy, you know, hip, mm. willpower and commitment. I mean, not to say there isn't, but willpower to me, if, you're, if your diet takes willpower to eat that way, mm-hmm. then I'm not sure it's the right diet, right? And, yeah. and so if you take on the belief that it should be supportive and you should feel good and that you shouldn't be hungry and starving all the time and that your mood should be stable and you shouldn't be craving stuff all over the place, those shouldn't be happening. I mean, you mm-hmm. should be able to feel good and happy and fulfilled and not hungry all the time, but also eat foods that you like. And this right. is what I love yeah. about this approach. It's like as soon <laughs> as you have that, it becomes so much easier and then your life opens up to so many more things.
0: That's what I loved about it when I first started. I was like, I was like, whoa, I could have all these decadent foods and still... <laughs> I remember years ago I was like this is amazing and it, I just of course went full force into that too but um but yeah it was uh I think just my body needed it so bad and I had just been eliminating that for so long and it was it was needing those nutrients and Um, I I think like you're saying, like some of those diets really work in the very beginning for people or so, you know, they, they get results or whatever they're wanting. But then I think long-term, like, especially when you get to the age of 40, uh, you know, you can't push through, (laughs) it just isn't going to happen. Maybe men can do that better than women because of the hormonal difference. But I think for most women and most women I've talked to and what I've personally experienced, you just hit a brick wall with your hormones so if you if you're not supporting them before that then you're gonna run into some major issues um so yeah but I think the food that you know the nourishing foods those are the the ones that have uh, are gonna be supportive for hormones and anti-aging protective hormones those things are gonna be what you know like what you mentioned in your book that's what we want to focus on after after the age of 40 especially but I think it's hard for people to understand when they're not 40 right it's like well wait a minute this is working for me I look great you know and so that's okay yeah yeah.
2: I think everyone takes the path that works for them when it works I mean if you knew everything when you came out of the womb yeah. you know what would life <laughs> be about right So right. it's like you have to learn your journey the way you're gonna learn it And some people learn at 30 some people learn at 60 but, you know, yeah. you're never too old to learn this philosophy and have it work for you. It just, you know, you might, be a, might have a little longer journey, but, you know, you'll be better off, I assure you, in one or two years going a path that's going to help you increase metabolism versus one that's going to trash you more. And then in six months, you're going to start putting all that weight back on. And in two years, you're going to be far worse than you ever were two years ago. So, you know, progress is progress, even if it's slow.
1: Right, and which then comes into the the factors of people having more pain where they talk about arthritis, things that are, you know, symptomatic, you know, oh, I'm, you know, my joints hurt, you know, I'm, you know, I'm starting to feel that aging process where they may not understand the physiology is that inflammatory response is happening so more because of how often they've been lived on stress hormones where they didn't pay attention to knowing that you know the system was adapting to your way of doing based on the fact that you thought yeah that it's working yeah, I don't see anything right now there's nothing really happening to me but when you start to notice you know those um Uh, more and more things start to slide down and try to you know eyesight or the fatigue or certain things that are starting to come into that play really focus more on how we change everything with ourselves and how we want to be able to keep ourselves from um, going down a harder road than we want it to be like it seems very hard now if you think about all the stuff (laughs) we've done you know like oh my god I think about
0: that like that (laughs) took a lot of energy (laughs)
2: I mean I look at all my workouts I did but I look at how I used to eat and it was just it was a constant place of suffering you know what am I going to have next and it was uh, and I and I can talk to clients now and and they experience the same thing especially women and it's constantly on their mind you know they when they travel they have to work out and they have to eat a certain my god it really takes the fun out of life and and you don't realize (laughs) how much space it takes up in your mind you know, especially, I've been in the fitness industry, you know, it's, there's an immense amount of stress that you should look a certain way, and if you're not, then you're not healthy. And it's, you know, these beliefs that we've created that just aren't working, and, you know, and keep us in this state that, oh my God, I, I have to stay this certain way, and it becomes this obsession, and none of that is healthy. And, you know, and when you finally get over that hump, and you can shift, you know, not only your body, but your mind life just becomes a lot easier and then your body just kind of flows with it without all that resistance and stress.
1: I agree. Definitely. Yeah. So let's talk about some of these myths. So let's jump in the first one, the Yay. one about why sugar is supposedly the bad thing now. I really the want the to talk about this. Now. <laughs> <laughs> right, and how people yeah. confuse themselves into believing that you know um, you know I need to uh, keep myself from my indulgences right these whole ideas of sugars bad for us sugar is like a <laughs> cocaine sugar can cravings all that stuff and how even fructose because of the fr- you know adding fruit in your diet people have been pulling away from that too. Let what what do you say to people with this mentality that, that sugar is bad? What do you kinda of help them with?
2: Right. Well I honor it because I had the same thought process and you know, and and in excess or in the right um, macronutrient or the wrong macronutrient ratio and so forth, I mean sugar can have all those effects. Because, but there's a misunderstanding, and right, and as they say, the poison's in the dose. So excess Uh amounts of sugar without the right combinations of fats and proteins, or in the wrong delivery systems, like in processed cakes and cookies and all that, yeah, I mean it's gonna have a negative effect on you. And but it's understanding that sugar in itself is your your cells' best and preferred source of energy. Your brain loves sugar; it uses 50% of your usable sugar that you consume. You know, and your cells prefer it. And so when you can understand that and start winding things back and it's like, okay, well, what else, you know, if your cells prefer sugar, you know, like, well, you and when you, when you, you consume a lot of energy with that, you also need a lot of nutrition. So you're always going to want to r- consume the sugars with a lot of nutrition. So what does that look like? That looks like fruits and juice and milk and anything that comes with it with a lot of, sh- of nutrition. And even with that, because we all know, yeah, sugar can rise, you know, going into the blood, it will increase insulin levels, and then you can drop your blood sugar and so you can get on that roller coaster. So then you have to say, well, it's not best to consume by itself. You know, it should be combined with other foods that are going to slow the absorbency down. So that's consuming it with some protein or some fat. So you can get a meal that has a good amount of energy in it, but is going into your system, you know, a little bit slower so you, as the point where your body can utilize it. And then it's not, you know, into overconsumption because yeah, if you over consume it, you would consume too much or in the wrong ratios, whatever your body is not utilizing, you know, if your body is full of glycogen, you know, all your stores are full, then it is going to store as fat and then you can get some negative effects from it. But mm-hmm. it's not. The sugar per se, it is usually the amount or the delivery system, you know, or it's yeah. your own body's inability to utilize it properly because you've put yourself under so much stress, or you've turned yourself into more of a fat burner. And when you do that, you can't utilize sugar optimally. So talk, you know,
1: can you talk a little bit about that part because I don't think a lot of people understand what that means? Yeah. Uh, I think you're talking about fat metabolism, yeah. So we want to talk yeah. a little bit about why people think you know burning fat and stuff is is so important and start doing the fat, you know why people are afraid of it. And then some people feel like that's the best way to go. So maybe talk about a little of that also. Yeah. Maybe
0: why the whole sugar thing is like so bad right now. Like why, why are people, if we have this knowledge physiologically, right? It, it's a, it's pretty much a fact. I think, uh, why are we promoting no sugar in the diet? Like why are people doing that? That's my
2: question. <laughs> well, again, I think the promotion of, you know, no sugar is because all the research that's done it that says that sugar is bad is in excess. You know, I mean, excess everything. So, yeah, if you give anyone excess and anything, you give them excess sugar without balancing blood sugar, without, you know, the right other macronutrients or in the wrong delivery system, you're going to have some, you're going to get diabetes. You're going to incur and increase the stress to metabolism because, again, you know, you know, having high blood sugar and having increased fat is not good for you. And whatever your body cannot utilize, you know, sugar per se, is going to get stored. You know, even though it is highly metabolic, even though it, you know, increases your body temperature and, you know, carbon dioxide more than any of the other nutrients, you know, fat and protein, it's still in excess can be bad. Or if your body is in that stressed place and you're not utilizing it properly, you know. So... you have to take a lot more into consideration than just sugar itself. You know, we all want to point the finger at sugar, but it's not sugar's fault. It's a misunderstanding of how to use it and using it in excess and understanding the human body and when it is in a stress place that it might not utilize it properly, right? Which comes to the next question of being a fat metabolizer because... That's what a diabetic is, that's what usually, when you get older, you turn into, you, you are able to utilize and then process fats or use them in e- energy better than a sugar metabolism. And oh, what happens, yeah. yeah, so PJ Randall basically come up with that theory, you know, as, you know, they basically sugar and, uh, or, or glucose and fat fight to, to get into the cells essentially. And so if you're utilizing fat as your primary energy, it's going to block uh, sugar metabolism. And that's what's going to maintain and keep sugar, you know, continue it into the blood. And then if it's not used, it's just stored. So it's kind of this feedback loop that, you know, when you're utilizing fat, you can't metabolize sugar. Sugar stays in the blood, then sugar turns into fat. And it just creates this cycle, right? And so what you have to do is not eliminate the sugar, which is what everyone keeps doing. You need to teach the cell how to start utilizing sugars better. Because, you know, at different times of uh, of your day or different times, you know, you are utilizing all components, fat, sugars, and proteins. You know, your body prefers to use fat in a resting state, you know. And so while sleeping or doing low activity, fat usually becomes the primary energy source, especially for muscles, especially for your heart. So they're a big consumer. But in an active state, when you're thinking or you're exercising, you know, sugar should be your primary source of energy or anything under intensity, it should be your primary source of energy. You know, so it doesn't mean you can't become a fat metabolizer. You, we all are at certain times, but it's just you don't want to be one all the time because that is gonna incur a stress. To place. And you know, and then yes, your body will not utilize sugars properly, and that's where all the the, the damage and, and bad things can happen. But again, that's an adaptive state. You know, your body is always going to adapt to whatever stressors you put upon it. If you don't give it sugar, it's going to adapt to that, and it can, you know, have you can show you what we think is beneficial. You might utilize body fat initially, but long term, it's going to create other issues, which is going to link to illness, disease, and so forth. Because a, a low sugar diet is going to eat, eventually become a stress diet and you'll have a stressed body, and that's where illness and disease all show up.
1: Which is where where we come in with the uh, knowing that people already put themselves in so much stress with like high cardio or long right. endurance races. Um, it's okay for them to believe you're taking glucose uh, when they're in their race, uh, but they don't realize a lot of times as the metabolic rate has been slowing down as they get more endurance in in terms of performance, they get their rate their uh, their their heart rate and everything drops, everything starts to, you know, slow down for the performance, then they don't realize how much stress they're in in terms of, like, what the body is either utilizing, sugar, fats, or protein, and, and so then there's kind of a mix-up about how people want to uh, use these as, like, okay, let me, I'm going to be a carb burner or I'm going to be a fat burner, burner, but then that whole translation doesn't come into where we're going for the long term. Like if I, because I came from a very, like you, endurance background. I did lots of Ironmans. I did a lot of things where I would eat sugar only in the race, but outside of my life, I was like, conditioned into believing don't eat the sugar it's bad for you don't have a coke don't yeah. have anything that is you know going to be sugar oriented <laughs> so the, my question is really what 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 do you tell those people who still want to do their big races still want to be in that kind of lifestyle and they don't get how that system changes through the day yeah,
2: well, and, and being, you know, I have done endurance events. Um, all of them are anti-metabolic. You know, when you're training for an endurance event, your metabolism is going to change. Mine does every single time. And I don't do it year round. I usually do one a year. And But during training, um, I've become more efficient because that's what long-duration cardio is going to do. It's going to create efficiency. That's why your heart rate slows down. Your body temperature and pulse are going to slow down. Everything is going to slow down because if it doesn't, you're going to have to consume a massive amount of calories while you're doing your exercise, and that usually doesn't use, you know, equal high performance. So you, your body does it basically so it can survive because of mm. all the additional stressors you're putting upon it. So if you opt and you choose to live that lifestyle, you, you know, you need to rest and recover. That's huge. You need to eat supportively, meaning eat, you know, good meals with tons of carbohydrates prior, you know, and. Yeah, if you're doing that long duration cardio, I mean, you do what you the best you can by eating during it, you know, but you're mm-hmm. going to utilize a good amount of fat tissue, you know, the longer you go, that your body does it as a survival technique. But when it does do that, understand it, it's putting your body in a state of efficiency. So when you're done or finished competing in your event, give yourself enough time to rest and recover to get your body back into a healthy metabolic rate again. You know, it's, it's, just, it's just the repeated bouts and people never take today. They're just, I mean, I hear about these women, they're just doing half Ironman, like yeah. one a month. And I'm like, that's too much, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're just keeping mm-hmm. their bodies in that state. But yet, you know, you have to be efficient to perform in those kind of um, programs. And, and you know, and that, that's when you can usually do better. But
0: mm-hmm.
2: you, you know, again, it depends on what your goal is. If you want to have a high metabolism all the time, don't do long duration cardio. <laughs> yeah, that makes
1: so much sense. Actually. Yeah, there is a consequence, right? There, <laughs> there you is have. a
2: consequence. Yeah. yeah. Just understand what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Be responsible about it.
2: That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but if you love it, you should do it, right? Yeah. Whatever you do, if that makes you happy, just then do don't it don't, it don't you know without hurting like, yourself. Can't. Yeah. Too bad. Yeah. Do the best you can to support yourself yeah. on every level, and you know, and just understand that yeah, you're gonna to create efficiency.
1: Yeah, it reminds me of a story. I had a friend who I did marathons with, and he would went on at a carb diet. You know, and the first reactions now I see, or if I think about this, is he had all the cramping in his calves and stuff. And yeah. and then you know, thinking about like all the um, uh, the ideas of doing like keto uh, diets or doing any kind of s- removing one of the macronutrients out because you want to lose weight is always seemed to come back and haunt people in the end, you know, because you need all three. However you're doing it and however you're scheduling it, your what's your meals and stuff is very much a science of what works for you. Right. Yeah.
2: I mean, Yeah. you know, and there are times that are open windows that you should be consuming stuff, you know, whether it's during, but certainly post-workout. Yeah. You, know, you need to have a good amount of carbohydrates and protein. And pre-workout, you know, I mean, I I still talk to people that like to work out on an empty stomach, you know, and I'm like, you do understand that you've just stressed your body and, you know, eight or nine hours from sleeping, you're depleted, and now you're going to work out with no fuel. They're like, great, I'll use fat. I'm like, okay, just understand you're putting your body in a state of stress, (laughs) under activity, right? utilize fat as energy. It's not the best, you know, and I mean, it just, you know, it bounces off people and because they're all stuck on, I just want to use fat. I just want to burn fat. I'm like, yeah, but we're not going to get you. Wouldn't you rather burn fat with the opportune times, you know, if you have a high metabolism, then when you're sleeping, you're going to be burning more fat, right? Right. You're not doing anything versus trying to just burn it off with all this activity. And then you're in all all this resistance to try to do it. And it, it works until it doesn't work. And then it starts working against you.
1: Yes. And there's the surgeries. <laughs> Everyone uh, goes to surgery. Or the right? hormone treatment, right? Yeah. The estrogen.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's a whole nother topic. Stop it, uh, right? Yeah, I wanted, I did want, since we're kind of speaking about sugar, I wanted to talk a little bit about milk. And um, in your book I was reading, you, you did a really great job of explaining the difference between all the varieties and options we have for milk, like difference between low fat or regular fat, pasteurized, homogenized, hom- I can't even say it, <laughs> homogenized, there you go, um, and <laughs> uh, raw versus, you know, pasteurized and those kind of things, I thought that was really great, um, but I, th- I think that, uh, I would just like to talk about that for a second because I'm still hearing like on a lot of health forums about milk causing acne and, weight gain and all these things or, or food sensitivity type, uh, reactions. what, what is your opinion on that? Like, uh, what would you tell, what do you tell people when they, if they ask you about that, any of those, those various issues?
2: I mean, milk is still, you know, there's there's not this, like, clear path is what I've decided. I mean, everyone is different. And some people don't work well with milk. And it could be because, you know, if you haven't had milk in your diet for a while you're, and you add it in and you add a bunch in, you're, it's not going to work well. You know, you don't have the enzymes to break it down. Your body has basically adapted to not having it, so it doesn't produce it anymore. So, but some people don't do well on cow's dairy. Regardless of how we introduce it, they just don't. But then they do great on goat's milk or buffalo which is seems to be a little less processed, you know. So it it depends. I usually experiment with different things with different people. But what you should understand is milk is a is a perfect perfectly filtered food. It's already filtered out for you, and it is one of the best delivery uh, sources for something like calcium, which we need in pretty high amounts. And so. If you can use it or we can get your body to be able to use it, then it's a wonderful food for you. And you know, by like I said, if you don't think you do well on milk, doesn't mean you can't do well on milk. It just means maybe right now you need to start with something that has, you know, is is low on lactose. You know, so it could be just adding in cheese and seeing how that works for you. Or maybe it's just adding in two ounces of milk a day for a week and seeing how that works for you and allowing your body to start adapting again to being able to use milk, because I ha- I can't tell you how many people I work with if I can't do dairy. I'm like, okay, right. let's yeah. try this, just a little, Just this is all we're going to do for a week and see how you do. Okay, I did good. all right, let's add a little bit more. And it's going through that slow process, again, slow steps, small steps, and, and allowing them to adapt back to utilizing dairy properly. So. You know, so usually these forums, it's all these people that didn't try milk or didn't use milk, and then they used it, and they have too much, and they have all these negative things happen. And yeah, it's very true, it can happen, so, you know, go slow with it. And and sometimes it's trying different ones. If cow's milk doesn't work, try goat's milk, try buffalo's milk. If none of them work, which can also happen, you know, then we just kind of go a different route.
1: Yeah. I agree. I think, yeah. Oh, go ahead. So in your book, I mean, to even just explain half of what we're saying is totally in your book in in an easy way. It, It is also part of the physiology of how important calcium is to phosphorus ratios. And so there's that part that you write in there, too, about how you know why the calcium is so important and why the delivery of a of milk is such a perfect form of it and when you talked about it in the book i realized like a lot of people um don't get a great explanation of why this is and why that there is necessary so um and and most of everything we've we were we're going to talk about today is how you've taken it down and explained it in a way that's very simplified and then put it in a way where there is some research that really says hey what you may have been told isn't necessarily the truth and right. so um why you know, the protein is important, why the sugar in the milk is important, why you know, that calcium is important versus, like I said, the phosphorus. Um, what else do you find people are resistance the most about milk, in, in your opinion?
2: Well, it's probably the lactose. I mean, you know, they might have a lactose issue um, that usually is just, to me, it's caused by that they haven't consumed milk, so we're along the lines they stopped consuming it because they were told it was bad. I didn't consume milk for two years, at least two years, because I was told it was evil like, so with sugar and all of those things. And so, um, understanding that, again, your body does need a good amount of calcium, um, and for your calcium to be absorbed, it does need vitamin D, but it also needs sugar. And so because milk has sugar in it, it does help the absorbency of the calcium. And, Mm -hmm. you know, calcium is linked or how calcium diets are linked to low body fat or lower BMI, um, also uh, decrease inflammation. So they do a lot of, and, and they're, they're linked to women having less uh, uh, PMS. There's a lot of good research that shows just by increasing calcium intake that you can have a lot of uh, lower blood pressure. And so it, it's such an important component that a lot of people don't think of. And they're like, well, I'm getting it from my vegetables. And I'm like, well, yeah, but your vegetables also have oxalates in it and all these inhibiting factors that aren't allowing you to absorb calcium properly. Mm -hmm. So you have to take all of it into consideration, um, you know, and you have to break everything down. And if anything, I've learned by utilizing Dr. Ray Pete is not everything is is what it seems. And so you can read a research article and it can come up with milk is bad. But then when you break and look at what they did and how they did it, you realize, well, of course they came up with that information. So Mm -hmm. you really have to look at the the research and how it's implemented and done to, to understand why they got to the conclusions that they did.
1: And did you get a lot of your stuff from PubMed that helped you write this book to kind of verify some of what, you know, kind of those main key issues? Is that what you were using to help you? I
2: did a lot of PubMed. I would take Dr. Pete's articles, and then I would look at what he had, um, all the research that he used. And so then I would go back and look at that. Because, I mean, I had to read his articles like 10 times like everybody else. And then I... I just started asking him questions, you know, I mean, Yeah, I was going to ask faint. if you've
0: talked to him about, yeah, before you wrote the
2: book, it, yeah. I never physically, but I've had about 300 or plus email exchanges with him. And there yeah. were days I would send him like three four emails, you know, and he would answer every one of them. I mean, you know, and I'm like, who is this person? I mean, who does this? But he did. <laughs> wow. I was like, I don't understand this. And then he would be like, you or link, link me to something. And sometimes he doesn't answer you directly. But he sends you, like, five different research articles that you're trying to decipher uh-huh. what they exactly they mean. But when you break them all down, you're like, okay. And then I would is this what you're trying to say? You know, I'd email him back. I'm like, um, so is this it? And he's like, okay, yep. And so then <laughs> that's where it would come to. But it was like, you know, it was so mind-blowing for me in the beginning because I, I mm-hmm. didn't. Since you're in the industry, I had you know 20 years in this industry. My belief system was really rooted and down, and yeah. though I, it wasn't working, it was really deeply rooted. And and he just threw everything out, and I just, but I I, re- I still wanted to root down into my beliefs. I mean, it took me time to really shift, even though okay, this makes physiological sense, but because the results weren't immediate, because that's what is usually happens. Um, I question a lot of it, but I keep going back and keep going back. And, you know, slowly but surely the old belief system unraveled and Mm. the system has now the play. Now that's, you know, everything else just, I'm like, okay, that doesn't make sense. And it becomes much easier, but it takes some time. Yeah, which
1: is good because a lot of people... Um, when they, when we talk, when I've talked to some people, they're so resistant to even, like, knowing that that their belief system is wrong because there's so many other things that have been told over the years, like how we've all told that sugar was bad, there's caffeine's bad, that right. you know um, we shouldn't eat meat, we should eat meat, we you know these concepts keep flowing in and out, but there isn't really a definitive like physiological course that anyone takes and goes, how does this work for your body is shown in 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 an in-depth way because it's such a broad way of looking at stuff. I don't know anybody who remembers the Krebs cycle in their in their classes of you know, <laughs> <Right>. biology. <Yeah. laughs> even, even the experts forget, you know. Total, doctors right. and all totally. these great professionals and experts. And we're, you know, in and they're debating all this stuff. The documentaries that come out, the people that are um, spousing off reasons for why, you know, these things are, you know, all so important to know. But yet there is something that they're missing too. So it's like uh, when I come back to just reading Ray's stuff, I'm still going – Wow, that that makes more sense. I didn't understand. Right. And you said that in your book too—that it took a lot for you to sit there and—and you, know, and you just said today. But I mean, it—it is—it's quite a big a jump for people to really let go of those beliefs.
0: Well, it's all about right. context too. You know, it's like what—what you know, what context is that in? And like a lot of the research uh, that comes out that's trendy seems to be. Uh, you know that 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 information isn't given, so
2: yeah, and it's taken fun. out of context. Yeah, yeah, a lot totally. Of it, right. Totally. I mean, yeah. you know, I can find ten people that all do crappy when it, when they eat meat. You know, and so meat's bad, right? But. Let's understand the, the physiology of the person I'm putting it in. And if you understand their background, you might understand why it's not working for them. Because, yeah, meat doesn't work for everybody. Mm-hmm. And it can have some inflammatory issues. And in a stressed body, it isn't ideal. So, if I'm doing a bunch of research on sick people and I give them a bunch of meat, you know, it's not going to do well. Or a bunch of right. sick people that don't do well with dairy and I do a bunch of research on them, it's not going to show up that dairy's good. And, you know, who do we do research on normally? A bunch of sick people. So, yeah, right. you know, it, 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 so we're, tr- we're <laughs> yeah. teaching people how to be sick, essentially, like, all right, well, this stuff doesn't work for sick people, so nobody should do it. I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. You know, let's find out healthy people and what it takes for them to thrive and do a lot of research on that. But, you know, most of it's not done that way. So that's why every person has to take, you have to look at them independently. And, and when you understand physiology and use that as your base, then you can start making the improvements, but that takes, you know, it's not mm-hmm. just here as X, Y, and Z and do that. It's just is that way, and that's where a lot of people, I think, get stuck with this approach because they're like, well, I have to think and I have to adapt and I have to shift and I have to kind of pay attention. I'm like, yeah, you, <laughs> have,
1: to partic- you have to participate. It's yeah. your life. <laughs> you have to, you have to <laughs> step up. Yeah, and participate.
2: <laughs> can you just write me a diet? I'm like, no, no. I can't. no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and and, and you, we talk about like meat and, and why in certain people. So the inflammatory part of it is uh, an issue for people. So, you know, um, how people who have arthritis or cancer or something like that may not do well on meat. And then why meat shouldn't be the main focus in a diet um, is another thing that you talk about in your book about why these things become an inhibitory to a lot of, you know, your your main process of your body so the thyroid has to have some protein but you also have to have uh, a a way to process that so if you have a low metabolism all these things that kind of have to be happening while you're eating this meat is an important part also so maybe you could talk a a little bit about why people are symptomatically having what we co- I might call is uh, thyroid symptoms. They may not have thyroid problems, but they're having these um, symptoms that are showing up to kind of bring them into this space of uh, either supplementation or they think that they have some major, major uh, issue going on, maybe a disease, something like that. Can you talk a little bit about that too? So
2: are you saying like talk about people that are having hypothyroid symptoms, what is going on with them? Yes. Or I mean, is it really hypothyroid? I mean, I if, I think they are. I mean, anyone that's in a low metabolic state is going to have some hypothyroid symptoms, you know. And with that comes um, a colder body, you know, slower pulse, slower tem- I mean, lower temperatures, um, cold hands, cold feet. You could uh, you know decrease digestion, decrease hor- hormone function. I mean, all- anything that is happening in a sick state is usually in a low metabolic state as well. So the theory is, and I never say I can like heal, or I I mean, I'm not a doctor, I can't do any of these things. All I can do is help you support your metabolism and see if symptoms go away. And Mm -hmm. you know, you don't try to isolate anything and that's because you know, the medical world has become so specific with their doctors and specialists and Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that that's a great idea because, you know, when you kind of overall fix the foundation, which is help somebody's metabolism work better, you know, symptoms just go away. You don't have to isolate them and just try to fix that single symptom because it, usually it doesn't work because that's where they just become into a prescription of drugs and they do something to remove the symptom and it's not fixing the problem. So, you know, I mean, anyone that's experiencing it, and I haven't, you know, everyone I know is experiencing some sort of low metabolic state at some point in their life you know, if they become sick. And so because of everything that we've been taught, you know, and the healthy people aren't getting any better because they're doing all the health so-called approaches which don't support a high metabolism. Sure. Well,
1: well one of the questions I had was why people, when they first started, um, Ray repeat they got into the idea it was a diet, right? Everyone started to drink more, like, gallons of orange juice, gallons of milk, and they started taking thyroid and and then they weren't get experiencing the you know shift because they were on a liquid diet mainly and so then there's a lot of people who came back from Ray's work saying that doesn't work and some people have now said, okay, that food, these foods are called histamine foods now, it's like a trigger word, and that they're creating a problem for them and that this isn't the way to go and I don't know if you experienced having to work with the people that tried the work and then didn't understand I mean there's some that just went fast but there are some people that literally took it and 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 altered it into a diet or a a mainframe of belief.
0: I'd like to add like bloating to that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How can people avoid that? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, if you listen to Ray, and he talks about they listen to what he ate, right? He's like, okay, yeah. I have a gallon of milk a day and two quarts of orange juice. I mean, right. and that's like that, and that is Ray Pete's yeah. diet, yeah, right? Yeah. And he, you know, the guy <laughs> utilizes energy really well right yeah. now, even at you know 78 years old. I mean, and so and so they're like, oh, that's what I should do, you know? And I'm mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, if you haven't consumed milk and you haven't consumed sugars, and I mean, you haven't done any of those things. No, that's going to be like the worst thing you can possibly do for yourself. You know, you're trying to go from A to Z. It's like saying, I've never run a marathon. I think tomorrow I'll run one and not go a mile tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have to take that into consideration. Again, you have to remember your body will always adapt to whatever stressors you put upon it. So if you put this weird, stressful, you know, greens, lots of greens and boiled chicken and no carbohydrates and no salt and no dairy, and that's how you eat. That's what your body's adapting to. So yes, if you start adding things like salt and sugar, you're gonna not do so well. You know, It's not gonna work for you at a fast pace, and you're gonna have a lot of negative things happen to you. So you just can't make that kind of shift on this type of diet, especially if you've come from one that's so the opposite, which would be like a low-carb approach, or a ketogenic diet, or something that has completely removed these macronutrients from your diet, and then try to just add them all back in, you know, and that's what people have done. And those are the people you read, like, well, I tried and I did this, and I got, I gained weight, and all my, you know, my labs look horrible. And I'm like, well, mm. yeah, you know, you you didn't take what you were doing into consideration, and you just started doing all these things, and your body just went haywire.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and most of them complained about they're still having the cold ha- hands, cold feet. Um, a lot of them had more gut issues than they even started. Um, so there was the bloating that Allison was talking about. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because that seems to have uh, been a big conversation, especially in women and the bloating and the estrogen dominance and stuff.
2: Well, if they switched and they started to have more bloating, then I mean, I would be like, okay, it could be the dairy. I mean, it could just be an independent thing that they're consuming. Um, Because this eating way and the food it recommends, I mean, should really help decrease the bloating. I mean, so if you're having it. Then it's probably a lactose issue, or there's something else in your diet that you're not processing properly. It could just be that maybe you need to eat smaller meals. Maybe you're not chewing your food very well. Mm. You know, something is happening. You know, that way or we might have to look at your gut. Maybe it's your gut's just not processing certain things. So, you know, maybe we need to add more bone broth or gelatin or glycine or something that's going to help the gut health and, 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 and go from there. But, you know, it's always trying stuff and seeing how it works. And then, you know, if it does, great. If it doesn't, then it's winding it back and let's try this. So, you know, to me, I usually what I've seen is that the women that come to me usually have a lot of bloating and once we start shifting them and giving them a lot uh, more foods that are are, are easier to digest, which is Rhea's approach, and adding them in slowly, usually a lot of the gut health improves because, you know, we're not giving them all those hard to digest foods anymore.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Too fast, so, uh, too soon probably for a lot more yeah. people too. <laughs> yeah.
1: So uh, one of the things that uh, we were going to talk about I thought would be what um, what about like the mindset and the beliefs have you been working with women in terms of helping them? Besides just the food part, what do you kind of transition into helping them with the other parts of that? Because that seems to be a little bit more of where you're going next in terms of, Maybe you write another book or wanting to do something. What 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 do you kind of tell your clients and how that's helping you?
2: Um, yeah, well, I like to look at, I mean, I got to see kind of what their history is. So history is important to see how much, you know, like me, how, how how rooted they are in their belief systems. You know, because, again, we all do things and we understand this isn't working. But when we're really rooted you know, our, our minds will, will want to take us back there, you know, even though we're like, no, it's not, but you're still going back to that old habit. So it's it's constantly reminding and talking about where they're at. Um, I When I work with women, it's it's important to me to kind of, wherever they're at right now, to have them be able to be present in that moment and mm-hmm. to be able to be at peace with, try to be at least, and not in such resistance of who they are and where they're at in their, in their life right now, meaning if, if you're in a place of I hate myself, And, you know, I'm not I'm not acceptable or loved if I'm 30 pounds overweight or whatever that looks like, then we're going to have a lot harder path than if you're like, okay I'm exactly I'm okay with where I'm at right now. My priority is to just get into a healthy place. And so that path becomes a lot easier versus that path. It become that is more resistance. So, you know, I work on just trying to let them be and, mm. you know, and trying and to accept where they are right now, and that it's okay, and they're, they're exactly where they need to be right now, and this is now a, a different place into just a, a, being a more of an awareness of, of where they are, so that their mind can create a little bit more ease, because when your mind's sitting there saying, I hate it, I just want to get thin, I'll be happy when I'm thin, um, that really makes the path challenging, and it, mm. and it creates that resistant patch, which creates stress. So if we can get that mindset in a little healthier place and they're thinking in a little healthier place and that they're in acceptance, um, the flow to heal or lose weight is a lot easier. Mm.
0: Yeah, it can. they can sabotage the whole thing, too, if they're too stressed out about it, that the stress actually causes a lot of the symptoms, too, a lot of times when I've found working with people yeah, so, yeah, that's that's great. yeah. and and
2: yeah. women are they're tough because they you know they've equated uh, their success with their weight. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've worked with women that have a list load of symptoms but they're lean. And as soon as I can improve all of their, I mean, we get better and better, and I'm like, just I go, I need you to stay on the scale <laughs> for a good you know amount of time, be, or ninety days or whatever that looks like because it can deter them. And I've had some, they're so good, and then all of a sudden I can see they get on the scale and they gained five pounds and then they just freak out and they create, now they've created all this stress and they just unwind and now it all of mm. this, like, I need to lose five pounds again. I'm like, well, yeah, but wait a minute, we just had 10 improvements.
0: right? And, it,
2: and they just yeah. got in their own way, right? Yeah. So mm. you have to be careful, uh, you know, and you have to trust, this is a trusting path because it's not instantaneous. And yeah. you really, you know, and when all of the world around you is telling you sugar is bad and this is bad and this is bad and, is bad, and I'm telling you the exact opposite, you know, you've got to be careful who you're hanging out with. you got to be careful what you're paying attention to yeah. and all of these things because they can get in your way. Mm. So
0: how do you sell people on that? That's my question, Kate, because, uh, you know, it's like how do you get them on board? I mean, I have been successful with people, but some people are just uh, they just don't have that long term. They get scared or they get they want to go back to the rooted Uh, beliefs around nutrition, you know, and that's okay, but I just, I'm just curious as to what your strategy is with that, how you help people kind of get, kind of get more comfortable with it and sink into that uh, because I know it is a process. It took me probably about three years really just to actually wrap my brain around it because I kept doing what you were saying you did (laughs) Mm was I'd go back to these rooted beliefs that I had learned like you know because I'd Mm -hmm. been in in the fitness industry for a long time too and I was just like wait a minute that just totally is you know backwards from what I've learned and it you know but yeah so I'm just
2: curious about that. Um, well, first, I don't ever try to sell anybody anything. Mm-hmm. I, I think we're all on our path, and when we're ready, we'll find the right teachers, and usually people find me. I mean, to me, I all I can do is teach the truth, and I right. share what I learn, and if it's true for you, great. If it if it resonates with you, great. You know, I have people contact me, and then I kind of get in a conversation with them, you know, and, and maybe they're not quite ready, or I send them out some forms, because I, I have most people fill out, you know, some extensive forms, um, and then I, I might not hear from them, or I might hear from them. So. It, it's, they're gonna be ready when they're ready. But, you know, while I'm working with them, if they opt to choose to work with me and they I, they all come in, I go, I'll tell you, I go, this, the easiest thing about this is the food. I go, that's easy. I go, but you're gonna come into some spots where you're gonna come in resistance with yourself, your other people, and then, you know, they can email me and I, I just kind of talk them off the ledge a little bit, you know, just to say that's normal, you know, it's normal to have these feelings, it's normal to have this happen. Um, you know, trust and stay the path, and it, it's, basically, I have to ask them to trust me. Yeah. Um, um, and and it, and it is, it's a, it's a, it can be a scary path, because you don't feel safe, you're walking into the unknown, right, we all know that even if we've been in a life of dysfunction, it feels safer than to jumping off the ledge and trusting,
1: um, mm-hmm. and I'm
2: asking you to jump off the ledge, and, you know, and I jumped off the ledge, and it was, you know, a, a crazy time, but, I trusted it finally, and when I did, I was like, "Wow, this is way better." I mean, why would I? Right. <laughs> For twenty years, I was doing all this crazy stuff, yeah. and it was so hard. And I always thought, "God, why do I have to work so hard? And I work out so mm, hard, and I'm yeah. eating like all this stuff, and I... And I'm like, and so other Joe Blow doesn't do any of this, and you know, I'm, I'm like, because you know, they're not doing any of this. That's exactly <laughs>
1: that's why that's they're the right having easier time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is really kind of um, interesting that you say that you try to help them work or, you know, like the food's the easy part. Um, Really, it's funny because um, I was listening to someone, uh, a yogi, talk about, you know, how connected the mind and the emotions and the bodies are. So it's like, like a triangle. It kind of works with each other. But the body is the only thing that's in the real present moment. Like if we really focused on what that means to be in the moment your body is telling you everything you need to know you know like if you're not feeling strong one day you you know there are certain reasons and you know you can function to a point but then you have to come back to that centerpiece of saying okay we can at least start here And then, you know, watch your mind go off into your emotions or watch your mind go off into other stories that you've created. And, you know, but if you come back to like, did you wake up and did you feel good? Did you sleep well? Did you have um? Mm-hmm. Did you have a good bowel movement? Did you have, did you uh? You know how how was your day? Kind of brings everyone back into a more centered space. So it's interesting how you say that's it's it's fairly easy once you start to function off of what is uh utilizing that present moment.
2: Exactly, and and I and I think you know, and I, I and mean, I know I I think I said this to or I wrote to you, and it was like you know the, I think. People have the hardest time healing or losing weight because they're not in that moment. They're in the past or in the future, you know, and they're in that I need to lose or I used to, you know, be this weight or whatever. And when you can keep them into the present space and allow their body to have that ease and allow your body to have that place of safety and and feel okay, that's when the healing really takes place. And, you know, and when your body is in a healthy place, that's when it's going to allow the weight to come off. You know, if you all try right. to force it off, you know, through excess exercise and diet, you can do it, but it isn't going to stay in your, or if it does, you're in that, you're in a constant state of resistance all the time. That That's the person that's obsessing and has to always be working out and dieting and focusing and, you know, all of these things, which if you choose to live like that, that's fine. I mean, that, you know, that's your choice. Um, I I didn't want to do that anymore. I mean, it was so, mm. it's, it sucks the life out of you. And yeah. so to, to have a better way and to understand there is a better way um, creates a whole a, a whole easier and better life for me think, or, and for others.
1: Yeah, uh, one of the things I met when I worked with people is that how much energy is to take to think about all this stuff every moment of your day. It, what could you be doing with that energy? Like that thoughts of where you repetitively think of something. What else are you distracting yourself from that actually would make you happier if you got a chance to even work on it? Besides thinking about, you know, if you fit a pair in a pair of jeans anymore, you know, or yeah. you know
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's a lot, and it's and it's a, it's stressful to do it, and it consumes a lot of your energy, and it's become you know a a massive issue in our society and in our industry you know and that sadly the industry leaders a lot of them are the ones that are teaching it and i did it too i mean i didn't know any better and so there's no judgment it's just a saying that you know there for everyone to shift you have to have a general interest and when you know that you know things aren't working for you and that's what was happening for me i'm like it's hard for me to teach it to others and I know I don't feel good. <laughs> yeah. So so <laughs> yeah. you know, even though I still look good, I don't feel good. And so I, I, mm-hmm. there seems to be a different a different path. Yeah. And there definitely is sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well.
0: Thank you, Kate. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we'd, uh, we'd love to have you on again at some point. Uh, but, anyway. yeah, we, uh, that was just amazing. So, again, thanks for coming yeah. on our show. No no and, uh, Kate, if, if uh, you could share with everybody uh, the best way to reach out to you, uh, where they can find your book.
2: Um, a good place is to get on my Facebook page. Um, that's also Kate During Fitness on Facebook. I'm constantly posting on there uh, daily. Um, you can go to my website, um, or you can contact me at kate at katedeering.com. But I'm usually pretty good at answering emails and questions, especially on my Facebook page. I like to keep the conversation going. I think that's a great place where people can learn and learn from each other.
1: Awesome. Yeah, your Facebook page is very awesome. I love what you've been posting a lot about your own Changes and how you've kind of humbled yourself into realizing what you've learned. And this is a long time process, and we all, we're all doing the best we can. Yeah. It's just a matter of helping each other out and making the community. So we invite you to our uh, community where uh, we started a, a Facebook page called Integrate Yourself uh, podcasts and we would love for you to post or do anything to, you know, spread the word about your book, um, what you're doing next, uh, where other people can, um, learn more about you and stuff. So thank yeah. you. You're very welcome. Thank you guys.
0: Thank you. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening. If you want to check this podcast out on YouTube, if you want to see the video version of this podcast, you can definitely check this out on my YouTube channel under Allison Polo. It's the Pure Energy Wellness YouTube channel. You can also check it out on Maya's channel under Maya Gottlieb. Next week we'll be talking to JP Sears of how to be ultra spiritual his youtube channel is called awaken with jp and he has become basically a youtube sensation so definitely check us out next week it should be a really really fun conversation and i really can't wait to share that with you guys so definitely check that out thanks again for listening and we'll talk to you next time